Welcome back to Between the Pages, which is a podcast meant to inspire Christ followers to go deeper in their faith and theology by engaging books from a Christian worldview. And I'm back with you, um, your host, uh, Joel Nevius, and I'm joined here uh, once again uh, by Mark Krause. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Doing great, Joel. Good to be with you. <laughs> hey, good to have you. Um, so today we are going to be jumping into the screw tape letters, which I'm really excited about. Uh, our first episode was just kind of highlighting what we're going to be doing. So if you're joining us again, uh, we're so glad uh, to have you listen. Um, and so uh, today we're going to jump into chapters one and two of Screwtape Letters. And we're going to be walking through um, just some key uh, themes and passages from the first couple chapters and just see how uh, challenging they are and, and see how they can equip us as Christ followers uh, to be more effective disciples. First, we're going to provide a quick synopsis as far as what the Screwtape Letters uh, is about in case you missed the first episode. So, Mark, could you just give us a quick overview as far as what the Screwtape Letters is about? Yeah, so what C.S. Lewis does, the book really is a series of letters, each chapter being a letter from a mentoring demon by the name of Screwtape, written to his apprentice by the name of Wormwood. And essentially, he's giving Wormwood uh, coaching points, strategies for how to trip up the human that he's been assigned to, and also telling him about, you know, landmines or dangerous things he needs to watch out for in terms of what the enemy or God is trying to accomplish in the human's life that he's been assigned to. Um, and so, Joel, why don't you give us a kind of an introduction to chapter one? Yeah, so chapter one, uh, coming from Screwtape, um, this is essentially kind of what this chapter is about. So he, he basically says that instead of, of using reason and science, um, it's best to, to make us ineffective by using the familiar and immediate sense experiences to cloud us from thinking about anything unseen, eternal, uh, or significant. And so that's his strategy. He's trying to he's trying to tell his apprentice demon, hey, do whatever you can to not allow your patient, this human, uh, to to think outside of himself, to think outside of the immediate world that he's coming in contact with. And so, in a sense, he kind of wants to keep him distracted and thinking about things that ultimately don't matter. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this was a. I love the way that this this book gets going. Like, yeah, it, it really it, is good. It's amazing. So, I don't know. What were some things uh, for you, Mark, as we're looking at the first chapter? Some some issues or some questions uh, that uh, this letter raises uh, for you when we think about uh, just our culture yes, yes. or about just the nature of God or even about us as Christians or, or a couple things that maybe popped out to you. Well, as you said, one of the key strategies that Screwtape gives to Wormwood is to keep his patient focused on immediate sensory experience. So feelings, you know, does he have pleasure? Um, you know, where is his emotions, you know, just kind of the immediate rather than thinking about universal things or what philosophers refer to as the big questions of life. And, um, and it really, I think it speaks to culture in the sense that Screwtape in Coaching Wormwood says, don't take a naive approach of using <laughs> arguments mm-hmm. to convince the person 
really that there is no God, and he gives the example of materialism. Materialism being the view that the only reality is the physical material world, and therefore there is nothing spiritual, there is no religion that's true, and therefore God does not exist because he's not a physical being. So, so why would he do that? That's kind of... It seems that's counterintuitive, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? But the reason, and this is what is so profound from Lewis, is he says as soon as you start to use arguments, you're really getting into the enemy's camp because what you're essentially doing is you're forcing the patient to think deeper. Mm. And it, he, he says it awakens their reason. And, and I thought that was profound because sometimes we can be, I think, wrongly afraid of reason as Christians yeah. and yeah. even sometimes surrender logical arguments um, not use logical arguments as Christians and want to surrender that in a sense to to non-Christians or atheists. But the fact is God is the most rational mind that yeah. exists. He is a rational God. He's endowed human beings with our ability to reason and to think logically. And Screwtape recognizes that that's the enemy's territory, that as soon as you awaken his reason, you're awakening his ability to discern truth by identifying fallacies of reason. And so sometimes we're afraid of reason, and I think Lewis does a great job of saying, no, actually, if anyone should be afraid of reason, it is the enemy, our true enemy, which is the father of lies or Satan. Yeah, man, I, I love it. Let me just read a quick excerpt yes, so, yes. so our listeners can hear what he's saying. Um, so, uh, my dear Wormwood... I know what you say about guiding your patient's reading and taking care that he sees a good deal of his materialist friend. But are you not being a trifle naive? It sounds as if you suppose that argument was the way to keep him out of the enemies, i.e. God's, clutches. Uh, and he goes on to say, um, he says, Your man has been accustomed ever since he was a boy to have a dozen incompatible philosophies dancing about together inside his head. He doesn't think of doctrines as primarily true or false, but as academic or practical, uh, outworn or contemporary, conventional or ruthless. And then he says this, he says, jargon, not argument, is your best ally in keeping him from the church. And I just love that. I think that just uh, speaks so much. I feel like maybe our culture right now where it seems as if, I could Mm. be wrong, but it seems as if most people, um, they don't really care about following logic, argumentation, and sound reasoning as much as Mm. we as a culture love evaluating ideas and movements based off of uh, what identity it gives us, mm-hmm. or whether it's fashionable or not, or if it makes us feel a certain way, makes us feel powerful or or not. Like we don't seem to evaluate ideas based off of reason um, as 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 much yeah. as those things. Yeah. I would say. Uh, I think that's very true, Joel, and it's so good because, um, and we see that playing out in Western culture today when it comes to. The physical world that we can know through the hard sciences versus religions and ideas about the supernatural. Yeah. And of course, the, the message that's being preached on, in the entertainment world and TVs and movies, almost, you know, social media everywhere is, is and it's couched with this uh, 
attractive idea of being tolerant. Right. But really the message is when it comes to religions or the supernatural, don't think of it in terms of true and false. You know, every religion's on the same right. ground. They're all equal. Whatever you want to believe is good for you. And so there is a very strong messaging today, which we don't do in any other area of life. We don't right. ignore truth in every Absolutely. area of life or say, like hey, medicine your truth or... about flying or jumping <laughs> off a building is different yeah. from my truth about uh, flying. Yeah, right. Um, we don't do that in any other area of life, but we're encouraging culture today to do exactly what Screwtape is encouraging Wormwood to do with his patient, mm. and that is keep him from thinking, in yep. this case, about religion in terms of true or false. Yep. Just think about ideas in terms of what feels good, yep. what seems progressive is a word that's used a lot in our culture today. Does it feel progressive? And, and another word he uses, Wormwood, is does it feel courageous? You know, is it something you can get behind, something right. that feels like justice? Yeah. And, of course, justice is a real strong theme in our culture today. Right. And in some ways, for very good reasons, mm-hmm. racial justice, you know, other things that are based upon really Christian ideas that yeah. humans are created equal in the eyes of God. Right. But there's other things that justice is given a tagline to that aren't so much inherent qualities of human beings as much as they are ideas about how I want to live my life versus how you should live your life. And so it's this really this confusing of truth and, and falsity. Yeah, no, yeah, I love this. I mean, essentially, hey, all right, if you want to trip up this human, do whatever you can to get him to be bombarded by the senses uh, outside or even within himself, like in the sense of uh, just emotions, just whatever it can, whatever we can do to cloud humans' minds and judgments to prevent them yeah. from asking deeper questions. Say something like you were talking about, you know, justice issues. And obviously there's, everyone agrees that, hey, justice issues matter. Yes. Yeah. But uh, there, you don't hear much talk as far as where is the grounding of human rights? Yes, like yes. To, to push past just, is this right or wrong? Is this just or unjust? But to say, if this is just, why is it just? Or if this is unjust, why is it unjust? And we seem to want to just stay on the surface where emotions yes, um, cloud yes. everyone's mind. And we don't get to the really deep questions that really matter and can actually begin to unify people in a deeper way. Um, But this can render Christians ineffective when we're just constantly thinking and being, you know, having our minds clouded by the immediate. And so not only like the, you know, hey, um, you know, keep them away from using their reason, but I love like kind of his strategy, uh, you know, not only just turn off your reason, but you know, in here, uh, screw tape basically says, do whatever you can to give him sensory overload, basically, yes. to be distracted. Yeah. Um, and he says, um, he talks about trying to cloud us with the familiar experiences almost of every, everyday life, the ordinariness of life that seems to be uh, like incompatible with grand lofty ideas. Yeah. And I, so what, do you what, see that playing out maybe? I, I, well, I do. And I think what's so important about that comment is part of the familiar 
again, are the are the physical things around us that we can interact with with our senses, right? Our physical senses, and that's really where he's really wanting him to keep his patient is keep him um, enthralled with the physical senses, entertainment, pleasure, focusing on feelings. Keep him away from thinking deeply, because what's then becomes less familiar to us is the reality of the spiritual world. And the last thing he wants his patient to do is to think about truths that science can't speak to, that the physical world can't speak to. Things like morality and love, desire, things that we know are real from our human experience, but are not part of the physical world. And that would include, you know, philosophy and reasoning about the meaning of life. So all of those things, he's, again, like you said, give him an overload, encourage an overload of sensory experience. And what could be uh, what could relate more to our culture today? We're such an entertainment culture. We can we can binge watch anything anytime yep. between YouTube, Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Not me. I mean, other people. No, right. no, yeah, no, no we're we not would never about do that. Other, yeah, exactly. But, uh, other people out there. <laughs> and so we're so tempted to do that, even as Christians, because yeah. it's easy to just let our senses be bombarded and to not, as, as this podcast is really encouraging us to do, is to go deep with books, deep thinking, kind of the deeper things of life, which we can get from interacting yeah, with, some... with film and media. Yeah, absolutely. And but the b- problem is we don't tend to do that with films. We tend we tend to just sit in front of, of Netflix. And with the with the, yeah, just we're like I just want my mind to shut off. Right? Yeah. I know that happens with me at the end of the day, if, especially if it's particular. Sure. Sure. I'm not I'm not watching it um, from a vantage point. But what can I see in here that would point to the transcendent? What here in Stranger Things say would correlate to the spiritual realm? Right. Like right. A, a lot of times, like we approach. Media, just like anybody else who isn't a believer, just from the mode of I want to be entertained, right. I want to have a good laugh, or I want to feel scared, and, and like that's it. Well, that's a good point saying that's it because those things aren't bad, right? I mean, exactly. Entertainment is something that we have a capacity as humans uniquely to yeah, enjoy. Absolutely. You don't really see in a, a dog seeking entertainment <laughs> um, or preparing his meal in just a certain way. You know, we we appreciate beauty, we appreciate laughter yeah. like no other beings do, and that's God given. But if that's as deep as we go, mm. then those things really can become idols in our lives to where that's as far as we're we're going with God. Yeah. Um, and it can become addictive. Yeah, absolutely. What I love about this chapter and talking about um, distracting us from using our reason, you know, a lot of times when we think, you know, as Christians, you know, there's movies like God is Not Dead and some other ones where, like, we think the like the huge villains of the Christian faith, right, are like these, you know, these evil atheist philosophy professors and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, it's easy to caricature that, like, hey, it's just the overt people attacking Christianity. But in chapter one... He's actually pointing more towards the little itty bitty things to take our mind off of it, you know, to to take our mind off of these things. And, you know, I think sometimes we think spiritual attack um, or worldly attack in a spiritual sense is it always comes in this obvious, huge way that we're like, oh, like clearly like uh, that atheist has this argument that's bad but you know but we think of it in terms of the obvious but i love what he says about 
Um, Screwtape says that humans are enslaved to the pressure of the ordinary and things that are familiar and that actually, like, just... Interesting day-to-day inter- uh, distractions and interactions have a way of taking our mind off of eternal things. And there's a passage here that I love where he talks about, he was like, oh, and by the way, let me tell you what I'm talking about, uh, Wormwood. Well, I had, a, uh, I had a patient one time who was in the British Museum reading a book, and he came really close of his, of his reason, you know, coming alive. And, and so I basically got him good by striking at him where he was the most vulnerable, and that was his stomach. All right? He says, I struck instantly at the part of the man which I had best under my control and suggested that it was just about time he had lunch. <laughs> And then he goes on to say that, like, you know, that um, that the enemy was trying to convince, get him, back on track. Get, get him back on track to use his reason. And then he's like, well, then I, you know, I got him to through a series of events, get him out of the door. And then all of a sudden, he saw a bus come by, and then he saw a newsboy throw a paper, and then all of a sudden, he was distracted and taken his mind through off his senses. Yes. Yeah, like just bombarded by his senses, just stepping out of the front door. Yeah. To all yeah. of a sudden. That ordinariness and the familiar um, quality of life drowned out what he was reading before that started to spark something in his reason mm-hmm. to where he separated that out, you know, and, and um, said, oh, yeah, yeah, that was just, you know, pie in the sky kind of thinking in that book. But this is real life. Buses yes. and newsboys and, you know, billboards and buildings and cars going by. And, like, that's... yeah. That's, that's really good, Joel, and you know, it makes me think maybe that's one of the major takeaways for us from this chapter is the fact that we do tend to want to put the blame for what's happening in our culture or maybe how we're being impacted uh, as people in society, as Christians in society. We want to put that all on atheists or people who are being relativistic about religions, but we need to own a big part of that in terms of what we've allowed to happen to ourselves because as Christians, in many ways, we have become lazy in our thinking, our ability to reason and to uh, intellectually engage with people, even with books and literature in, in our culture. And it's because, or at least part of it, I think, is because we allow ourselves to be, to have our senses bombarded and to be distracted from spending time with God, from spending time in Scripture, and from spending time in good books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we don't have time to go too much into it, but he makes a pretty interesting uh, statement about science as well. Yes, yes. Right? Um, so it's interesting, him is, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, Lewis is kind of flipping things here. He, he's flipping things in our minds where we think these are normally antagonistic to our faith, and he's flicking, flipping them around and, and showing that actually these are things that awaken yes, yes. our knowledge of God and pursuing deeper things. And so he talks about so reason. Good, so good. He talks about reason up front, and then at the end, he he brings up very briefly um, uh, about science. So this is from Screwtape. He says, Above all, do not attempt to use science, I mean the real sciences, as a defense against Christianity. They will positively encourage him to think about realities he can't touch and see. Yes. And so Lewis seems to be kind of putting out... You know, a little bit of a natural revelation kind of argument here through screw tape that the more that we observe the world and the more that we do science, 
that all of a sudden when we do that, we start wondering, like, why is there order? Why is, why do I have a sense of beauty and awe and wonder at how, you know, plants, you know, work and and animals and cellular biology, all this stuff has a way of awakening us to, to think past that. A couple of great examples, and we can't get into it, but, you know, science has revealed the fine-tuning of the universe, which which proves really indecisively that it couldn't have come about by chance and that there's design behind it. And the other thing that science has proved in the last several decades is that there is a definite beginning to the universe. And so I think that's... Significantly, what Lewis is pointing to is then when we do good science, it inevitably leads us to other questions that science can't answer. Yep. How did the universe begin? How did all? How did time and space actually have a beginning from a source that isn't subject to time and space? And how can that be anything but God? So it's so good. Uh, and you're right because we tend to see, or oftentimes Christians can see science as the enemy almost, and it's such a trap that I think Screwtape would love for us to get into is seeing science as the enemy. It's not. Good science is our, is our companion and friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we want to encourage you, you, you listeners to, to read that part a little bit towards the end of chapter one. It's, just, it's really good. It'll get you going. Well, um, moving on to kind of... Um, uh, the next section of our discussion, Mark, yeah. as we just think, as we just think about maybe what we appreciate about this chapter, some of the big maybe key takeaways. I mean, we're just discussing and analyzing that, but for you, Mark, like, what were a couple of things that you really appreciated about this chapter that really kind of kind of hit you in a, in a in a helpful way? Yeah, I think uh, again, kind of to repeat uh, what I said in the very beginning, I just so appreciated. I, I have it highlighted here is the idea of. Um, the enemy doesn't want our reason to be awakened. He doesn't want us to think well, to think more deeply as Christians because the implications are, are hugely against our enemy in that God is the creator. He created everything. He gave us our reason. And Christianity is a rational faith. It says, because we find the world to really be this way, because we find humanity to really have a problem, you know, we, with wars and murder and hatred, selfishness, all of that, all of these, it appeals to what we know is true about life. And then it gives us a very rational explanation for why life is that way. And why we long, why we have the desires and longing for justice and love and beauty, and that God being really the only explanation for that. So, uh, awakening our reason as Christians is is a huge part of why uh, I'm just loving doing this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Joel? What stood out to you? Well, I mean, there was a lot there. I think one thing that really struck me when you're talking about reason and when you're talking about rationality, you know, it it reminds me of really what it means to be made in the image of God. Yes, yes. And, you know, when we look around and we look at other animals, we don't see animals using reason to think about deep things of life. You don't see chimpanzees or, you know, or otters or dogs contemplating the meaning of life and what's the source of value and uh, human rights. You know, you don't see that happen. So there's something distinct and unique about humans. And I love that he's kind of drawing uh, that out because it seems like in a sense he's almost 
he's almost kind of recalling back to Aquinas and Aristotle, the, the view that we're, we're not just an animal, we're a rational animal. There's a part of us that is very distinct. And, and part of what sin does and part of what uh, the world does, and, and here we see what the devil does, is try to make us subhuman, to try to live uh, lives as if we're not human, as if we're beasts, as if we're just animals that are just responding to our senses, right. that, that we're right. no different you know, than uh, a pig wallowing in the mud and having a good time. And I, I love that, in a sense, uh, Lewis is saying that um, that using our reason is kind of like in the Matrix of, of taking, you know, the red pill and coming coming mm. awake to seeing how reality really is. Yeah, great, great example. Kudos. So, yeah, no, but I, I, I just I love that because um, I think it's just easy to forget yeah. that when we shut off our mind, not only. Are we uh, missing out on who God is? But we're acting like we act like animals, and so much of I know my own sin in my own life usually comes when I shut off the deeper parts of my mind, and I'm just thinking and right. just responding. Right. Ooh, this makes me feel good, or that had a you know a, a sensation. So it's tough. That is so good, and and just to give a, a plug for Talbot School of Theology and and uh, Biola that we both experienced. You in philosophy and me with Christian apologetics, they really, um, I would say it sparked my faith and my Christianity in ways that I had never experienced before because it awakened my reason in ways that I had never experienced before as a Christian. And we both experienced that, and it has just, it has been so um, empowering um, to our faith and reality. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a place that really encouraged the use of our mind and said, hey, like, we want to see people raised up using their minds for the glory of God in deep ways and yes, and yes. to not just passively receive what the culture is is telling us or what our flesh is telling us or how what whatever information uh, Satan is feeding us but we want to take every thought captive and, and make them uh, submit Christ so yeah this is this is really good so as we as we kind of close up the first chapter here mark yeah um, uh, um what is what is a maybe a takeaway for our listeners? Because we don't want this just to be a mental exercise. But what is a takeaway as far as how, how could this inspire us as Christians uh, to lead more effective lives for the kingdom? Well, you know the the major major strategy, as you noted in this chapter, was to. Uh, keep him bombarded and focused on his sensory experience, feelings, emotions, and so forth. And and so I think one of the key takeaways is um, we never experience fullness of life and 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 um, when we just let let life happen to us, as opposed to be intentional about truth and discovering God, um, spending time with God, allowing ourselves to go there and not um, just binging on sensory experience because that is what we are encouraged to do. Um, And so we tend to be, for that reason, we tend to be very vulnerable to our emotions. You know, depending on where our emotions are in any given day in our sensory experience, we can feel like God's abandoned us or we can feel really good. And so we tend to be tossed around too much by our emotions versus what we know to be true and false. Absolutely. I agree. I think, you know, for me, you know, a huge takeaway, I mean, 
basically saying what you're saying, but mm-hmm. um, to really, I think, first off, uh, be aware of my own ideas. And, and I think to begin to question, like, where did I get that idea? You know, is it because I just... it came in through a, a excellent a, point a, a, you know a TV image you know but to begin like questioning um, you know where those things come from thoughts and beliefs yeah absolutely yeah. but then um, I think also just man this I mean just talking to you I thank you I think you just convicted me but uh, and the chapter as well but man uh, I think I just need to unplug some more. Hmm. And I wonder if some of our listeners need to as well. When it comes to, when we're talking about sensory overload, we're literally glued to our phones right in front of our face. And if, yeah. you know, I would be probably embarrassed to know what my, uh, what's it called on the, the iPhones where it tracks like your screen, oh, screen time, right? All right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like it might say several hours a day where it's just glued to my face. And talk about sensory overload, being bombarded by images yeah, and con- news stories and sensory video. stimulation. Yeah, and I do notice. I, I think even my wife points this out to me. Like there are times when I'll fill in, um, just not you know, just dead time or when there's not much going on, just looking at my phone, and she's like, "Joel, let your mind breathe." And you know, there's a reason why a lot of times we get really phrase. deep thoughts when we're in the shower. Or yeah. on the toilet, you know? Like, there's a reason why. Well, I guess now people take their phones and <laughs> their toilets now, yes. but, you know. Um, but, yeah, like, because our mind breathes when we're in the shower because we can't look at it. Yes. And all of a sudden we start yeah. thinking about deep things and, you know, our life. When and it can future. get to where we even fear or are scared of thinking about deeper things. And so we don't want to let our minds think. Yeah. Um, when actually it, it is when we avoid that, it's probably what we really need. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Mark, this first chapter, we've uh, uh, spent more time than I thought we were going to on it, which any uh, people in our uh, BCM community, they're probably just like, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. what did they expect not, anything not too different? Shocked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we, we said that we were going to go through uh, chapter two in this first episode, but maybe let's uh, stick a pin on that for the next episode. Um, where we're going to talk more about kind of this kind of carry on this theme um, about distraction and disillusionment, but from an interesting uh, angle. So um, yes, and I think that might start off with uh, Wormung getting a solid reproach from Screwtape <laughs> for what he allowed to happen yeah, to his patient. Yes, <laughs> which is awesome. So uh, so yeah, we want to encourage you to tune in to, to our next episode. We're going to look at that. Uh, I'm really excited. It's a great, it's a great chapter. Um, so, we just want to say thanks for tuning in. This has been a blast, Mark. It uh, has been a great start, <laughs> uh, at least for us. I don't know about the listeners, but uh, we, we do really hope, though. And, and all joking aside, we really hope that um, that as you listen to this, that please go out and get the book. If 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 there's one big win that we get from this, even if you don't even tune into the next. Uh, tune into the next episode. If you go and get screw tape letters, you're going to have that on your shelf the rest of your life, and you're always going to go back to it. Or you might lend it out to a friend that might have a huge impact in their life. Yes. Um, but if you do enjoy this, you know, hit subscribe and tune in to, to our next episode, which we're uh, excited to continue to do. But um, but Mark, thanks for being an awesome co-host, and looking forward to <laughs> next you. time. Absolutely. All right.